At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. Hour three of the nightcap here on VSIN, Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King. Earlier tonight, fireworks on the ice. Overtime needed 11 goals. And the Colorado Avalanche moving on to the Stanley Cup final as they defeat the Edmonton Oilers by a final score of 6 to 5. Six goals in the third period and a goal 79 seconds into overtime. Well, Pivoting from the NFL, or sorry, from the NHL to the NFL, we bring on our good friend, Eric Eager. As I said, it's a friendly show. We've got a lot of friends. It's just been a friendly type of day, and it is Eric Eager who joins us right now. Eric, I saw a tweet today that uh, it's not a surprise, right? Uh, but I'll, I'll read it to you from David Purdom over at ESPN. It said, the Buffalo Bills have attracted twice as many bets and more than twice as much money wagered to win the Super Bowl than any other team at DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now at DK Sportsbook, they are 6-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. How high is your stock, Mr. Eager, on the Buffalo Bills entering 2022? Yeah, I think, I think this is the kind of stuff where, you know, you, you find out whether somebody's sports bets or not, right? Because, you know, I think Buffalo is the best team in football. Um, I thought they were last year, honestly, when Kansas City went ahead and beat them in the divisional round. I thought to myself, oh, you know, this is going to be a year where the Chiefs, you know, sort of steal uh, the Bills Super Bowl. And, and, you know, ultimately they're back. And I think that all of the hype for them is warranted as the best team. But at the same time, like I'm not necessarily going to say that at that price, they're a team you really want to bet to win the Super Bowl at this point. If you've backed them, you've gotten unlucky in the past, right? Like you, we make it about a 12.6% chance they win the Super Bowl, which is quite high. Um, but it's not, you know, that's more like a, a nine to one situation uh, than it would be, or sorry, seven to one situation than it would be, uh, you know, more like a six to one situation. So 
Um, that that's kind of where I'm at. I, I think at this point the ship has sailed. If you want to get value on them, you might have to do some different things like back them in 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 regular season games. But they're the best team in the NFL. But right now, everybody else believes the same thing. So there's not a ton of value on them in the betting markets. It's fascinating how much futures betting has grown. We are sitting here the first week of June talking about the ship has sailed on (laughs) (laughs) Buffalo to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) They done started in September. So, I mean, I was mentioning to Tim earlier, I just personally know how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. Like in Tampa, we won one, but we were favored my first four years there. And we only got to one. So I wouldn't personally take anything under double digits on anybody you know, before the season started to win a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you think about the, you know, you, you know, 1999. I mean, that was the last time, you know, you had the Rams were something like 150 to one. Um, you know, that, that Bengals had sort of a meteoric rise as well. 2000, you had a Ravens team that, uh, you know, I believe, uh, you know, sort of to your point, uh, let me look this up real quick. The, the 2000 Ravens were 22 to one to win the Super Bowl. Um, you know, even you look at the 2000 Patriots, that was a team that 2001 Patriots, I'm sorry, that was a team that was 60 to one to win the Super Bowl. And then obviously you guys in 2002, um, you know, where were, you know, one of the better teams in football and you were sort of waiting your turn, you know, that that's the really tricky thing, right? I think, you know, even, even among this, like, um, I want to say the last time the team that was favored to win the Super Bowl, even when the playoffs started, uh, that won the Super Bowl. It was more. I, I want to say it goes all the way back. I believe to 2016 with the Patriots, if not a, even a little bit earlier. Like last season was the Packers that were favored. The year before it was the Chiefs. The year before that it was the Ravens. The year before that it was the Chiefs. Um, you know, 2017, the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that won the Super Bowl, were underdogs in the divisional round, coming <laughs> off a bye against Atlanta. So you know, the I think the name of the game is if you're betting favorites. Uh, to win the Super Bowl, you're going to be disappointed more often than not. And think even in 16 when the Patriots won. And after the year they had to come back from down. Uh, 28 Right, 28-3. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. It's probably the only reason Matt Ryan is still playing. <laughs> That's right. And if he wins that game, seriously, he probably retires as opposed to agreeing to get so? traded. Yeah. What else would he have to play for? He's just chasing a chip. Well, Tom Brady's. Well, he won six of them and yeah. went down to Tampa. Yeah, so. Tom, Tom just don't like his family. He don't want to be I, think, I mean, I think Atlanta, <laughs> frankly, Atlanta's on, like, head coach number three at this point yeah. if they win that Super Bowl because there's no way they run it back as many times as they did if they weren't chasing that ring. And, and that, that brings up a good point, by the way. Um, you know, and why, as a Chiefs fan, I'm, like, really happy they won the Super Bowl in 2019 because – you know, when they went ahead and, you know, sort of pushed the chips all in 2020 to try to win it again, that doesn't work. They trade Tyree Kilder. I think they're more built for the future than they are built for 2022. You look at Buffalo. Buffalo goes all in a little bit in this year, 2022. They go with Vaughn Miller. Uh, you know, they get uh, they they push money on to Diggs' contract. Um, there, there's a benefit of winning a Super Bowl. Um, even in a year where you're not supposed to, the 2019 year, as I said, the Ravens were favored, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, because then you can make decisions not trying to chase the Super Bowl that you thought was yours. I I think Buffalo 
you know, is chasing Super Bowls they thought were theirs the last couple of years. And not to say that that doesn't mean they're going to win it, but it just means you're going all in in a year where there are plenty of teams that are going all in and they could very well be the best team in the league. And I think they are and still not win it. And, you know, ultimately what comes from that is maybe the loss of chances to win it in subsequent years because you piled all your investment into this one particular season. Now, Eric, one team that I think does have a lot of value are the Cincinnati Bengals, who currently sit at 20 to 1. And I just say that because this Deshaun Watson situation, the more it stays in the news, the more I think the NFL's hand's going to be forced from a suspension standpoint. You've got Mitchell Trubisky starting for the Steelers, who he may be better than he was before, but he's no one that scares you. Uh, the Ravens got rid of everything that could catch on their offense. So you have. The Bengals sitting there, they upgraded the one area where I thought they were extremely deficient was the offensive line. They did a good job, had a great offseason there. Do you like 20-1 to on the Bengals? It seems like people have forgotten about them. Yeah, they're a team, and I know uh, we talked about this uh, on a few uh, podcasts. I like to look at the tail of distributions for some teams. I'm actually not betting the Bengals to win that division. I'm not betting the Bengals over their season win total because – when you look at their schedule, the last eight weeks, and, and I live in Cincinnati, I love going to their games, and I'm excited for this because it goes Steelers, at Steelers, at Titans, then it goes hosting Chiefs, hosting Browns, a team that swept them last year, at Bucks, at Patriots, hosting Bills, hosting Ravens. That's their last eight games, right? So if they're a really good football team, they'll win some of those games and they'll get in the playoffs, and we saw what happened last year them as a 10-win team, and and I like them as a long shot in that situation. But they could very well go, what, 2-6 and six in those games and not even make the playoffs. So I think the Bengals are a team that I'm not going over on their win total. I'm not going, um, you know, them to win that division. I'm only betting long shots with them because I know what Burrow is capable of. It's just the deck is really stacked against them this year, and especially how that thing ends. They do get the NFC South, which is fine. They get the the Falcons, the Saints. Uh, and the Panthers in a three-week stretch, in a four-week stretch, I'm sorry. But after that, it's a murderer's row for the Bengals. We're talking once again to Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Eric. Um, you know, it, it is funny to uh, to Sean's point about we mi- you missed the boat on the Buffalo Bills, uh, and I'm just using as a reference point the, uh, the current odds at DraftKings. Is there a team, <clears throat> as I clear my throat, that you do think there is some value right now in that futures market? Who intrigues you uh, to win the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, I, it's it's the exact same reasoning I have for for Cincinnati, just at a better, uh, at maybe a more likely outcome. I like Green Bay 10-1. to 1. Uh, I'm not betting Green Bay over. I'm not betting Green Bay to win that division. I got a pretty good price on it when Rodgers was uncertain. Um, the Packers, to me, I think they're going to graduate into sort of the Patriots realm uh, of, you know, we have our quarterback in place because he's paid so much. We have to mess around at other positions. I, I think the Packers are going to lose a couple games in September this year. Uh, starting with Minnesota, I think that they're going to have a tough game in week one. Um, but I think what the Packers are banking on is as the season progresses, you look at that defense rounding into form with Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, J- Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos, uh, Rashawn Gary, I think is a defensive player of the year candidate. And then you get the wide receivers, the Romeo Dubs of, of Nevada, uh, uh, Christian Watson of NDSU. Those guys are not going to be good right away. But I think what they're banking on in Green Bay is those guys being good enough for the playoffs. And so for me, I like Green Bay 10 to 1 more than I like them to go over their win total 
more than I like for them to win the NFC North because I, I want long shot bets with Green Bay. I want bets where everything comes together and all of a sudden I'm hanging on to a 10 to 1 with Aaron Rodgers at the helm and an and a offense and defense that reminds me of 2010. Well, and, and to your point, as we only got a minute before we hit a break, Eric, would you put a little on Green Bay now at 10 to 1 or whatever you could find, maybe a little bit better? And then maybe you're, you're betting against the Packers, right? And maybe they start one and two and then you go double down. Are you no. kind of waiting for them maybe to struggle early on and then go back in on the futures market? Yeah. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare i think there was extreme value on them you know the funny thing is is this is the best they've been lined in the matt lafleur era i remember they were 20 22 to one or so in 2020, even after they, they thumped Minnesota in week one last year, after they lost to new Orleans in week one, they were a value as well. So yeah, I agree with you. I think that's another Avenue that you can go with as well. All right. We're going to keep talking to our good friend, Eric eager as uh, we, we always make him do overtime like the Oilers and abs. It's not overtime. If you love it, we just, we make Eric <laughs> hang out for uh, for extra time. We, we pay him very handsomely though. Don't you worry, which is nothing. It is the Nightcap. More with Eric Eager on the other side. It's the Nightcap here on BC. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCasts wherever you get your podcasts. Alongside Super Bowl champ Sean King, I am Tim Murray. Congrats to the Colorado Avalanche, a 6-5 overtime win over the Edmonton Oilers tonight. The over hitting with ease thanks to a six-goal third period. And uh, the Colorado Avalanche, if you believed in them, could have got a pretty nice price on them to sweep that series. And they move on to the Stanley Cup Final where they will get Tampa or New York. More hockey discussion coming up bottom of the hour when Todd Furman joins us. But let's stick with our good friend Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. You know, Eric, I, I, I know you and, and George on, on your uh, PFF Forecast podcast. Make sure to check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, go through the win totals, and you've made plenty of bets. Uh, I'm curious, 
Last year, you and I were on the same wavelength with the Washington football team under because we felt like it was too big of an adjustment, right? It was five and a half wins in 2020, and it jumped to eight and a half wins in 2021. They land at seven. Is there a team, whether it is too big of uh, an adjustment in the positive or not enough of adjustment based off of you know what they brought in, who are some win totals uh, teams that you are looking at right now just based off of overreactions, I guess? Yeah, the one that I'm going with, um, and I, I, this will be on PFF.com, I think Wednesday, is the Miami Dolphins. I, I'm, I'm actually going to fade the Miami Dolphins this year, uh, whether you can get it at 9, minus 125, or 8.5, plus 110 uh, to the under. I think, you know, Brian Flores got a lot more out of that team than I think that they should have gotten. Um, and even then, you're looking at 9 and 8. And, and to your point, Tim, like, we're – that team was more fundamentally a seven and a half win team, right? When you look at, they, they beat new England twice. The first new England win was pretty fluky. They lose seven games in a row. They beat Houston and then they beat Baltimore coming off of Thursday night on a Thursday night football with Baltimore coming off of an overtime, a full overtime game against the Vikings the previous Sunday. Then they get the privilege of playing three games against New York teams, uh, Carolina team, Uh, And then Ian book starting for new Orleans. Like that was probably the cheapest nine and eight you've ever seen uh, as far as the Miami dolphins. So I think the, the average better is going to look at that team and say, Oh, I just need them to improve. They got Tyree kill. They got a new coach Tua should be better, you know, as healthy and stuff like that. They got Teron Armstead to play on the O-line and all those things are true. Um, I probably though would say that all of that is going to add up to about a win from seven and a half to eight and a half. And that's why I like under for them. I just think that they're overvalued because last season was a nine and eight team that really wasn't. Yeah. And I I tend to agree. I I think I'm curious, uh, and you know, kind of open it up uh, for both of you. I'm curious what the public will think because last year was such an easy under to play because the public was racing to fire on Washington they played ball, uh, the Bucks close on, in that playoff game. They won the division. Oh, they got this all-star defense. They closed, they closed plus 150 in Pinnacle to win the NFCs last year uh, right before opening night. Yeah, and uh, I think John Murray over at the Westgate Superbook said they were the most bet division winner in, in the entire book, uh, and obviously they did not win that. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious, what do you think the perception is, Sean, I'll start with you, of the Dolphins? Because I agree – with what Eric said. They got Tyreek Hill, but I think there's a lot of haters and non-believers of Tua, so I think it might be a little bit of mixed reaction. I'm not disagreeing with Eric said, but I'm curious what the public will ultimately think of this Miami team. I think the public thinks that the Dolphins are a complete football team outside of quarterback, and that couldn't be farther away from the actual reality of the situation, so I actually agree with Eric on this one. I thought Flores did a tremendous I job agree. you know, of... of especially defensively, because when you look at their personnel, they're not top 10 personnel in the NFL on defense. And I think Flores got a lot out of them. So I also think Flores was a really good motivator. I thought he had, he commanded the locker room, created discipline, accountability. I am interested in seeing how Mike McDaniel plays, especially when they're going through adversity. You know, just hearing him in some of the press conference, Eric, he sees really long-winded, seems to answer aspects of the question that weren't even asked you know so i'm just very interested how this situation plays out 
throughout the course of the year. So and and there's just like there's non fits there. Like he wants Mike Gesicki to be a George Kittle when like all indications are that they're two different players. Um, they're stacking up players at the running back position like Sony Michelle and and that's awesome. But like that that my uh, you know San Francisco backfield has succeeded with guys like Raheem Mostert uh, and Elijah Mitchell in the past. And, you know, they're they're going after guys who are former first-round picks at the position, which kind of uh, makes me a little bit worried. Chase Edmonds, I think, is back there as well. And, and the other one, and, and this is the big thing that for me is Tyree Kill is not a – Tyree Kill is a great deep threat. Don't get me wrong, and he has been. But last season, NFL teams played so much too high that Tyree Kill's average depth of target decreased by two and a half yards. So – the average throw to Tyreek Hill was two and a half yards shorter than the year before. His average yards per catch after the catch was 1.5 yards shorter. That means Tua Tagovailoa is going to have to pepper the middle of the field, the 10 to 19 area. And my issue there is he was terrible there last year. He only had he had nine turnover-worthy plays on such plays. His passer rating was under 70. And that's the one of the most valuable places on the football field between 10 and 19. That's where Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo last year, and who did not play well. He had like 15 turnover-worthy plays in that area, but he had a passer rating over a hundred uh in that area. So he was at least able to take advantage of it. I don't think Tua has like the arm strength to take advantage of the middle of the field the way that he's gonna have to in this offense. And, and I agree. I think. The one big thing, and maybe you can back me up on this, Sean, is when a guy goes from an offensive coordinator who doesn't call plays to a head coach that also wants to call his plays. I think of Brad Childress. I think of guys that have flopped in that area. Like that to me is a sell. If a guy wants to learn how to be a head coach and a play caller at the same time, I'm not going to buy that. I'm with you because having called plays before, it's extremely difficult to do that from the sideline especially for an inexperienced offensive coordinator. So what I always look at is when it's a guy's first time calling plays, is he up in the booth or is he on the sideline? If he's on the sideline, I want no part of him because it's much more difficult to see the game in its entirety, to see the field in its entirety, and you're forced to take the opinions of someone else who you're asking. What are they in? What are they doing on the backside? As opposed to being able to see it. So I, I, I have a lot of question marks about Miami. My biggest question mark with Tua is – for an undersized guy with limited arm talent, he's not an elite athlete. He's not a plus athlete. He's not going to extend drives by scrambling for first downs on third down. He's not going to be a threat with his legs. And, you know, that's the aspect of his skill set that's missing that's most alarming to me. Yeah, and that, yeah, the hip injury and the ankle injury at Alabama that really hurt him. Um, but you're right. I think you're right. And I think. You know, ultimately, I think that if you're betting this under, I think one of the sneaky reasons you might not win is that Teddy Bridgewater behind him is maybe a quarterback that can get you to nine wins just by, you know, by just, you know, sheer gumption and the fact that he's always galvanized players around him. I, I don't know. They'll probably be too far gone for him to come back, so I wouldn't be too worried. Um, but that is one sneaky thing there is that Miami has put themselves in a decent position at the back of QB spot in the case the Tua Tungabailoa fails. All right, Eric, we got about two minutes, and I need to uh, get the people excited. Absolutely. Sean? Making money gets you excited. Let's how, go. How many days were you in the CFL? Ten. Okay. Yeah. Week one of the CFL is this weekend. Mm -hmm. We have four games. You have a minute and a half, Mr. Eager. Let the people know what you are wagering on in week one of the Canadian Football League. 
Yeah, I I like the Calgary Stampeders minus three and a half. Uh, you know, I I just have them power rated better. I have the I make the number like minus five. I, I like the defending champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers minus nine and a half. Uh, Ottawa was the worst team was the worst team in the league last year. They were going to have Duck Hodges as their quarterback, but much like Sean, he didn't want anything to do with the CFL. <laughs> um, and then I like the Edmonton Elks plus three and a half. Uh, against the BC Lions. I think the BC Lions are a little bit overrated. I make the number more like one and a half. So uh, those are three that I like. Uh, and, and yeah, knock yourselves out with it with the CFL this weekend. Hey, shout out to Ottawa too. Uh, I had a, a friend of mine that played with Ottawa and then they took their team away. So happy to see them getting a the team back. Yeah, I I love I love these these extra leagues, man. I, I as uh, more jobs in football, the better, and and more people that get to sort of live out their dreams. And obviously, and there's there's a fun aspect of there only being three downs, right? So like, uh, you know, if you run the ball on first down, you really got to make it count. Otherwise, you're putting a a, a sub NFL quarterback into a long yard situation. In so ten, in, the, in ten seconds, but, Eric, we don't have to go across the border. There's also a league here, the USFL. We like anything. USFL this week before we let you go? Yeah, yeah. lay eight and a half with the Philadelphia Stars here uh, <laughs> this weekend against the Pittsburgh Maulers. Uh, Kirby Wilson is a is the league is somehow too big for him uh, and, and I think Philadelphia is a house. Uh, Eric, seven to one to win the league. You're the man. We appreciate it. He's, got, stuff, he's got the gear. It's the nightcap here on VC. This is the nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can play ball with the Peacock MLB Sunday Leadoff Challenge. Just draft your players and compete for free for up to $10,000 in prizes. Visit DraftKings.com Peacock for more information. Don't just watch your shows. Peacock them. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It is an ICAP here on VEASAN alongside Super Bowl champ Sean King. I am Tim Murray. We know one participant in the Stanley Cup Finals, and that will be the Colorado Avalanche completing a sweep tonight of the Edmonton Oilers 6-5 to five in overtime. If you had the under, felt good until you didn't because six goals in the third period will we'll do that for you. Yeah. Shout out to Cavs, man. Great in-game play by myself. So if you guys <laughs> listen to the show and follow along. You're never one. I actually talk, I actually missed the better number because I got them at like plus 400, but they were all the way up to like plus 680 at one point. You know, I should have went ahead and, and dinged it right then. I was thinking. I was contemplating. But I will say this. I have to give you some credit. I was on my way to the show today. I sent out a text to you and Aaron, and I was like, what well, are we on tonight? And you text back the most obscure thing I've ever seen in my life. You text back Texas State College Baseball. Bobcats, baby. And so I went online. I was like, oh, they're playing Stanford? Come on, man. They got a shot. Here we sit, bottom of the seventh. Texas State, one. Stanford, one. Got a chance. David has a chance to upset Goliath. Got a chance. Well, let's bring in Todd Furman. Uh, friend of the program, uh, I'm sure also like me, heavy on Texas State tonight, probably not. Uh, but he uh, no doubt was uh, was glued to his television watching 
Game four of the Western Conference Finals as the Avalanche uh, moving on to the Stanley Cup Final. I I am curious, uh, Todd, now that we know the Avs are in the final, who, in your opinion, is the better matchup for them? Would it be the Rangers or would it be the Lightning if you're backing the Avs? You know, I think it's a fascinating discussion. First and foremost, though, Sean, you should be commending Tim if he had under 12 in that Texas State-Stanford game. He still hasn't been able to catch the dog. You have a feeling that the total is going to come home to roost, which has been hard to do in this College World Series so far. But I think the couple of dynamics that you have in play, regardless of who comes out of the East, how long these teams are going to have a chance to rest. If Tampa were to win the series in six games, I think this is a team that could benefit immensely from just running it right back. I know there are veterans, but you saw the rust impact that it had in game one against the Rangers. And for a Colorado team that now gets to sit around, sure, they have a chance to get Darcy Kemper healthy. It doesn't appear Nas Kadri is going to be back. I think that can work against them because they're going to have all the pressure in the world on their shoulders. And I think more often than not, rust isn't a good thing when you're clicking on all cylinders knowing that it took him a grand total of, what, 14 games to win three playoff rounds. You know, I did think that uh, Pavel Franku played pretty well, especially before today's game for the Avs. If both are healthy, do you think they automatically go back to Darcy? Yeah, I do. I think uh, they rode the hot hand with Pablo Francois, to your point, Sean. But today he showed a little bit of vulnerability and the reason that why he's been relegated to more backup duty than anything else. You can't afford to give up some of those momentum goals that almost came back to cost them in this spot. I think with Kemper having a chance to heal up, he was the reason that you brought him in as a starting goalie, that you were able to cut ties with Philip Grubauer and let him go to the Seattle Kraken. So you have to trust the process, and if Kemper looks rusty, you at least have the option to go back. Whereas if you start Pavel Francois in game one and it gets sideways on you, I think you're playing a little bit from behind the eight ball. You know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, speaking of, uh, the series is still going on. Right now, as we sit two to one, what's your opinion of how this series has played out And how do you think it ultimately ends up playing out when it's all said and done? Well, I think we finally saw Tampa get back to what Tampa does best. They were firing pucks on net against Igor Shesterkin from all angles. I mean, flirted with 50 shots on net. The problem, though, that I've seen from this Lightning team that we haven't seen in the past is the level of undisciplined hockey they're playing. And it almost, again, came back to cost them dearly when you give up power play goals. This is a Rangers team throughout the course of the regular season. When you force them to play five-on-five, isn't nearly as dangerous as they are with that first power play unit with Chris Kreider parked in front of the net. And you've seen the way Artemi Panarin can create along with Minkas and Batajad and Aaron Fox calling things from the point. But when you begin to dig into the way this series has gone, I think Tampa's been the better team for at least six out of the nine periods. You wonder, though, if they're going to be able to get back to their game tomorrow. I really believe... They send the series back to New York, knotted up at two games apiece. But at the same time, I'm not advocating to lay a dollar seventy. I think it's a very fair reflection of where that number should be. I agree. Uh, last thing I have for you on that series, Brayton Point, I heard, was on the ice for about 45 minutes yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. I've heard probably not game four, but potentially or hopefully game five. Have you got any update on uh, the Lightning Ford? Yeah, they've been extremely coy about sharing his status, and I was a lot more optimistic that he was going to be available the deeper this series went. I'm now starting to get much more pessimistic about his availability and Tampa's willingness to rush him back. Some of the reports and the guys that I've spoken to said Tampa wants to err on the side of caution. They know how valuable he's been to their playoff runs in the past, and they don't want to put him out there if he has a chance to aggravate the injury. So in my opinion, I don't even think we'll see him in potentially game five, maybe game six at the earliest. 
But to Tampa's credit, if you get Nikita Kucherov playing the way he did yesterday, unlike games one and two, and we know what Stammer can bring to the table, there are enough other players capable of raising their level of play, even without the team's leading score over the last two postseasons. You know, that's kind of where I sit, Todd. Is You know, I'm a diehard Lightning fan, and I don't think we've played anywhere close to what we're capable of. You know, speaking of Cooch, I mean, he might be the most moody hockey player I've ever seen. I can kind of tell in his first two shifts, okay, is he mentally in this tonight or is he not? He did play a lot more aggressive, creative games, still a little undisciplined at times in my opinion, but I'll take it when he's trying to be explosive and creative on offense. The guy that had me worried, who just seemed to have this real indifferent demeanor, now he plays slightly better in game three, is defenseman Victor Hedman. Is he completely healthy? Have you heard anything? He seems so indecisive with the puck, has not brought any level of physicality, in my opinion, to that lightning defense and has gotten caught kind of falling asleep in front of the goal multiple times, you know, especially when we're trying to uh, kill a power play. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Hedman has been a key cog in both of these Stanley Cup runs, a guy that you can throw out there and log 25 to 30 minutes and realize there's going to be no deterioration of play regardless of how long he's out there. But to your point, he's looked, I don't know if disinterested is the right word, but unfocused, maybe for a lack of a better term. And I think Tampa has taken some of it for granted in the past, that they know they can find a gear that other teams can't match. And maybe it's hard to replicate the level of intensity we saw in the Sunshine State Showdown where they went through Florida got Andre Vasilevsky to play at the top of his game. But for, if you're the Rangers and you're sitting in that locker room, you have to start to be a little bit more concerned because you had Tampa on the ropes up 2 nothing in their own building and a chance to really put a stranglehold on the series. Tampa showed that championship pedigree. You saw arguably one of the more uh, highlight reel-worthy goals uh, in the game-winning situation for Andre Palat with the touch pass from Nikita Kucherov. And I think if Tampa's able to get out to a quick start here, this is a Rangers team that I really don't believe will feel comfortable playing from behind. So despite everything that's gone against Tampa through the first couple games of the series. I think the Lightning, to your point, Sean, have been here, done that. They trust the recipe and the blueprint that Coop has been able to build over the years. And if you take this series back to Madison Square Garden for a pivotal Game 5, I think all the momentum shifts back in the Lightning's favor. Chatting once again with Todd Furman, uh, taking a look ahead to tomorrow's Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Todd, total-wise, we've now had back-to-back unders uh, just got there, but still you cash those tickets, three to two finals in both those games. We finally saw a first period under the Rangers had actually hit an over in the first period in six consecutive games prior to game three. Uh, anything total wise that you're looking at tomorrow night? Yeah, go figure, guys. You have me on before game one. I advocate for going under a five-and-a-half flat, and the next two games in the series go under as we finally started to see that stellar level of goaltending that we anticipated. I honestly think if the total continues to drop on this game, if I was able to grab plus $1.20, I might take a flyer to go over. I haven't bet it yet and probably won't, but when you look at some of the numbers and the scoring chances that were created in the 3-2 final in game three, I mean, there were a lot more shots, there were a lot more chances, and especially in the high danger department than you would normally get in a game that ended with just five goals. So many things had to break the right way with game flow and everything else. I think despite having stellar goaltending, you could see a scenario where this game is 3-2 late, maybe an empty netter pushes it over the total. So no strong convictions here. I'm interested to see how much under money uh, starts to come into the market. I would love to have a chance to go over 5.5 at plus $1.20, as I think the game should be set in that 5.5 minus $1.15 range. Yeah, right now sitting at uh, minus 130 in most spots. Todd, as always, man, we appreciate it. Uh, best of luck, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. Always a pleasure, and uh, 
you know, Sean, be careful. Make sure you don't decide to go double fisting in on Tampa tomorrow with a puck line play, a live bet if they get down early. He who wants to be in this game for the long term has to separate his wallet from his emotions. Hey, Todd, money line, three-way puck line, alternate puck line. He said that every game, I, too. Hey, yeah, I fi- Tampa 5-2. Yeah, Tampa 5-2 to two tomorrow. I figured, Tim, the way that Sean was going trying to spin this thing, he was definitely going to have a little bit of nibble laying two and a half bucks in this particular contest. Yep, that's that's the way he rolls. That's Todd Furman. <laughs> Always appreciate his insight. We'll wrap things up next here on the Nightcap. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network. The VEASAN Summer Special is here. For only $39, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VEASAN.com, and subscribers will have access to all of it. That includes Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets, Jonathan Von Tobel, you know he's breaking down the NBA Finals, Andy McNeil, he's got all his action on the ice, plus plenty of thoughts on the NFL and the preseason there. UFC, golf, whatever you want, we've got it. So if you want that full VSIN experience, which features daily best bets, email every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. It costs only $39 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now. Head over to vsin.com slash summer. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. A look ahead with Scott Seidenberg coming up next. Tim Murray and Sean King with you. Super Bowl champ right there. I am Tim Murray. Um, we've got uh, a bunch of a uh, bunch of little things that tie loose ends to tie up. I don't know if you're gonna be mad at me. Oh. I just bet your lightning to win the series at plus one twenty. Oh, absolutely! That's Gucci. Yeah, you should have been done that. I know. Yeah, yeah, that's just, Gucci. Just jumping on with you, buddy. Oh yeah, that's Gucci. Riding with you. Yeah, because he won't get that number after tomorrow. After they win uh, forty-seven to nothing, according to Sean. Might. Very well, might. <laughs> I mean, you're laughing. I'm serious. Uh, thanks again, as always, to uh, to Todd Furman for uh, for joining us. Yeah, his, I like Todd. His thoughts. Um, if, if you're able to get a pretty juicy plus price on the five and a half, he said that would be his, uh, his lean towards tomorrow, but 
said he hasn't fired on it yet and uh, is going to see how the market kind of plays tomorrow. So here's what Puck Sodomus will have tomorrow. I will have <laughs> lightning on the money line. I'll have lightning on the three-way money line. I'll have lightning on the puck line. And I'll have lightning on the alternate minus two-and-a-half-point puck line. I see 5-2 tomorrow written all over it. I, I'm just telling you, I see 5-2 lightning all over it tomorrow. I hope you're right because that would be great for our show. Yeah. Uh, we do have, Sean. A complete 4-0 sweep. So the Colorado Avalanche are moving on to the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. And uh, Circa has gone ahead and put out their look-ahead series prices. What was your guess? Minus 200 on the dot. So close. Colorado minus 195 mm-hmm. against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, the Lightning plus 170. That is here at Circa. And then the Rangers plus 265. Colorado minus 315. Yep. I knew Tampa would be right around there. And that, I mean, that makes some sense, right? They were minus 220 uh, in, the, in the futures book. So they're kind of in the middle, so to speak. At least that was at DraftKings. You know, other books might be a little different here. One, you know, couple by the way, if, if, if it's the Lightning, plus one seventy is going to be free money. Just telling you, <laughs> empty out your petty cash account and put stop, it all on the Lightning. Stop, stop telling people to do that. Because you, you, oh, if you, I get the you, Lightning you, plus one seventy, oh, I'm all in on this show for some people to bet the Reds to win the Central. Yeah, but I didn't say empty your petty cash account. I just said take 20 bucks, 30 bucks. <laughs> I mean, they bring you back almost well, 17, 18,000. Well, I told you to do with that 20 bucks is go get some buffalo wings and a hey, beer. The Reds beer. won tonight. Congratulations. Can I say something about college baseball? It's awesome. They don't waste any swings. God, I love it. I mean, these guys, they may be swinging at an invisible ball because they, they don't always hit it, but they get they they get their cuts in. You know how you look at a Major League Baseball game and guys are striking out half swinging, you know, you know, kind of just going, man, these guys swing the bat. By the way, Texas State, man, hey, they got a shot. 1-1, one, one, top of the ninth. Bob's the real deal, man. Yeah. Winner gets uh, – Winner goes to the Super Regional. And they get to host no, – the winner will host. Now, Stanford's the number two team in the country, so they will host, obviously. But the winner uh, – and this will – oh, this will really get – Aaron Oster all fired up because I think, yeah, Maryland would have hosted the Super Regional. Oh, well, we, man. Maryland's out of the tournament. We don't talk about them anymore. I'm yeah. saying the Bobs here would get to host UConn. Yeah, they had their shot. Like, they can blame the umpire, but they shouldn't have been in that position. They're playing UConn. They probably, UConn don't even have a conference in baseball. No, they do. No, they don't. They're in the Big East. Yeah, they don't count. It's just basketball. <laughs> you, just make, you just make stuff up. Oh, it's football time. that doesn't have a conference. Yeah. Okay, it's just football. I know it was one of those sports. They probably draw more people at the baseball game than they do the football game. That that I wouldn't disagree with. <laughs> that I would not uh, I would not disagree with. So I I, I love it, man. It, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's entertaining. Maryland let us down. They did. They let us down. Why you just can't believe in anything University of Maryland? I'm just oh I mushed them is what I was just told on the IFP. Like I didn't have a dog in the fight. That is true. I did it. You didn't. I didn't bet it. I bet I put a little on Maryland. What were the odds on Texas State? Uh, plus one fifty-five. Oh, you took a money line. Yeah. Oh, be good to have them like <laughs> plus two and a half or something right now, wouldn't it? I think the spread was plus one and a half. Probably could have got 
I bet it here. Uh, Circa didn't do point spreads mm. for baseball, but uh, stations here in town and other spots, uh, they'll do it. it. I'm telling you, man, the Super Regionals this weekend, they are – this weekend is going to be a lot of fun to watch because you're going to see these places like Tennessee hosting Notre Dame. That atmosphere there is going to be out of control. Yeah, by the way, the Regionals are, are very, very biased. Whoever the home team is, they have such a huge advantage – Man, I turned the Texas A&M game on last night. I mean, it had to be 20,000 people there. Win, win more games. That's uh, You know the rules. That's not in. necessarily how that works. Yes, it is. Because I remember when I was at USF, uh, the Rays ace right now, Sean uh, McLehan, uh-huh. he was pitching at USF. And no matter what USF did, they were ranked higher than Florida. That regional was always going to be at Gainesville. Okay. But you just said win more games. I just wanted to say that's not always the case. By the way, Padre is 7-5. What I said, 7-9. They got some kind of umpire review going. But uh, I would like the Padres to win by two runs. All right. This weekend, by the way, these these are Tennessee is going to be unbelievable. East Carolina is hosting Texas. Wow. Greenville, North Carolina. If you watch that today, that's going to be wild. Texas A&M. I mean, all of these are going to be spectacular. So, Super Regionals this week. We'll, we'll – We'll dive into these. They'll have some odds later on. So Here's what I've learned in the last day watching college baseball. It ain't over till it's over. That is there true. is no such thing as a safe lead. Missouri State was up 13-0 and lost by 14 runs. Yeah, I'm just – there's no – and <laughs> Think about that. Every pitcher that comes out of the dugout or the bullpen has catastrophe as his last name. <laughs> I mean, this is unbelievable. Well, I mean, Todd, Todd was right, by the way. Um I get 155 or 175. Hold on. Let me check. I might have got 175. Well, whatever it was. Oh. Um, anyway, uh, any strong opinions? Uh, Golden State, Boston? Not yet. Um, so right now we're looking at, and tomorrow certainly we will have much more uh Well, it's Wednesday. They're discussion. not playing tomorrow. Yeah, they'll play, okay. uh, they'll play Wednesday night. Total is uh, 212 and a half. You like the over? You can get a 212 out there. I love the under in game two. Ah, haven't decided what what I'm gonna do uh, with this game right now. I'm I'm still feeling fine with with where I sit on the Celtics to win this series. I I said it would go seven. I still believe it will go seven. Um, so if we go seven, I'm in a great shape. I'm in great shape. I I still believe it's funny, and this is the beauty of of sports betting. We've had two games. And you and I have watched both those games, and you and I have different opinions of how these games have played out. Well, I wanted to elaborate a little bit on what you were saying about the Jordan Poole thing. Now, as a coach, that's where my opinion on Jordan Poole comes about. Remember when we were getting towards the end of the season, right into the early playoffs, and everybody's so high on Jordan Poole, and I was like, well, I'm not really going to anoint him until I see him do it or on these bigger stages. And you could tell that he lost his confidence. And for a guy that's that talented, Tim, when you're a coach, it doesn't always take what you think to get his confidence back. So him having a great game, even if most of it was in garbage time, might be the catalyst that gets him back to that confident, everything I throw at the rim is going to go in, let me be majorly uh, aggressive, and let me play without hesitation. Or and, and that's when they're really dangerous. And so in my opinion – that's what that game has done for Jordan Poole. Now, we'll find out Wednesday, but if he's aggressive, it makes them so much more dangerous. Yeah, 
I mean, you're just you're just not getting him a lot on the floor right now. I mean, well, because we're playing good. And yeah, but Kurt, and and, and here's another <clears throat> big issue. I mean, Clay Thompson's. Not good right now. And Clay needs Jordan Poole and Curry to be great off the dribble because he he's be at to, his best. Well, he needs to be able to shoot. Yeah, but a lot of his threes have been like old Clay threes where he's off balance. He, he's coming off of screens. He was four of nineteen. He's been awful this yeah. series. And he was Reggie Miller for about three years, and now he got to turn back into more of a set shot three point guy. Coming off of back to back devastating season long injuries. That'll do it. And it's it's banging yeah, him up much it, more tomorrow. On game three of the NBA Finals. Thanks to everyone who joined us. Thanks to Aaron Oster, our entire production crew. For Sean King, I'm Tim Murray. Scott Seidenberg, up next, right here on DC. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.